Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we're going to be going up into the Salt and Light closet and pulling out some of our favorite conversations from the fall of 2019. First off, we have a serious conversation about shame. Children's author Kristen Marr tells us about her book, The Awfulizer. And then we meet husband and wife Katie and Andrew Hall, who've been writing songs for each of their children as they are born. In our second half hour, we speak with theologian Brett Salkeld about transubstantiation, what it is and what it means. And at the end of the program, we meet the Dutch Christian band Trinity. You're going to love their music. We begin now with Overcoming the Shame Game. For some of you, the word shame may not mean much, but for many, many others, shame is all-consuming. We use terms like body shaming or fat shaming, and sadly, shame is not something that just adults deal with. It is very real for children, too. With her book, The Awfulizer, author Kristen Marr hopes to help children identify feelings of shame and give them the tools to fight back and against these negative emotions. And to tell us more, I am now joined by Kristen Marr. Kristen, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Um, I, I know that a lot of people probably have experiences with shame and know what that word means, but I know that there are people who, who, who that concept is very foreign. Um, and even they might be struggling with those emotions, but they don't know what it is. Can we start off by defining shame? What is shame, Kristen? Yes, I feel like a lot of times people confuse guilt with shame. Uh-huh. And they're like, well, isn't a little bit of shame good for you? Uh-huh. And I would say a little bit of guilt is good for you, but a little bit of shame can be terrible. Um, guilt is when hmm. you would feel you do an action that's wrong, and then you realize, oh, I did something wrong. I need to correct this behavior and move forward. Right. Shame is when you do an action wrong, and you go, I did that because I'm bad and I'm broken on the inside. And even if I correct this behavior, I'm still broken on the inside. So you can't move past it because you you kind of feel helpless and trapped because you're like, even if I change this thing, I'm still bad. I'm still broken. Right. So you would say that shame is, is it an emotion? Is it or a feeling that, that makes us believe certain lies about ourselves? I, I consider it an emotion that yeah. makes you believe certain lies, yes. Yeah. So who 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 is the awfulizer? The awfulizer is a characterization of our shame. Mm-hmm. I thought for kids and honestly for adults as well, sometimes yeah. it's better if you have a visual of something versus just trying to come to deals with something as abstract as an emotion. But mm-hmm. if I say, this little monster's in my head and he's telling me horrible things about myself, Sometimes that's easier for kid to understand. Right, and it's the because he makes you feel awful about yourself. Is that? Yeah. Yeah, and does he? Um, sorry, go oh, ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, does does this little monster? You said it's like a it's like a, having a monster inside your head. Does he just appear out of nowhere, or do do certain things have to happen in a person's life that that begin those those words or those voices inside that that are t- giving us these messages? I feel personally that no matter how idyllic your life or childhood is, there was definitely probably some shaming moment where you felt bad about yourself 
more so than you felt bad about an action. Mm-hmm. So I don't think anyone's really immune to shame. Mm-hmm. I do think some of us are better equipped to ignore that voice or to move past that voice. And some of us are more likely to listen to that voice and let it grow louder and louder in our lives. I unfortunately listened a lot to that voice as a child due to circumstances growing up. Right. That made me a little more vulnerable to it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it became the dominant voice in my head for a really long time. Because I, I would have thought that that would be the more common experience where you have someone that is shaming you or or verbalizing certain messages you are you're fat or you're stupid or you're no good or get out of my way and if a child continues to listen to those messages of course they're going to feel a certain way about who they are but if a child is not listening to those messages can someone still fall into sh- into those shame the, the the shame trap if i can call it that yeah i feel like i mean just go on the internet and you're going to get someone to shame you and Pretty right. much five minutes of being on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, And so we're all getting the either external or internal voices. And the book really is trying to help people come up with tools so mm-hmm. that you don't have to let those voices get louder. You can hear that voice, recognize it, and move forward. Yeah. In the voice in the past. Yeah, and it, and in the book, uh, James, the main character, he's he's, what, 10 years old? And he, uh, yeah. he's, he begins to hear these, he sees the monster that appears. The monster is telling him things that make him feel a certain way. And all he really has to do is go tell someone. He tells his parents and then his parents right. can help him through it. Um, you're a parent. You have three children. Is it, yes. is that your experience? Like what are some, some things or, you know, I'm sure that there are parents listening right now that maybe can think, oh, I should be doing things differently or how can I help my children through this experience? What has been your experience with your kids helping them through some of these feelings? Well, for me, what I recognized was a lot of shame talk from my eldest child. And that it sounds silly, but when your kid is saying, I'm the worst, I'm terrible, I'm never going to get this, Mm -hmm. it can be innocent. But also, the more they say that, speak those words over themselves, the Mm -hmm. more they start to believe it. Mm -hmm. So it's interjecting right then and being like, no, that's your awfulizer talking. Okay. You're not awful. You're not the worst. We can learn and just however you want to encourage them or motivate them, but making sure they stop saying those words over themselves is the first step, I think. Right. So this whole thing about, but people talk about bullying all the time nowadays in a way that, I mean, when I was young, I'm sure when you were young, same thing, mm-hmm. nobody, nobody talked about bullying we all probably were bullied but we just kind of dealt with it um yeah is it would you say that that's the main problem with bullying that it's that people shaming each other i mean honestly i feel like bullies are actually externalizing their shame voice because yeah yes mostly the bullies are the ones who are the most wounded and so they're speaking out right any way they know how to try and make themselves feel better right just creating a vicious cycle. So then the next person has to share their shame with somebody to try and feel better. And it just keeps going downward, downward, downward. Right. Um, I don't think it's always necessarily bullies. Sometimes someone could be saying something to you to try and be helpful, uh-huh. but it might just trigger an attack in the sense that, I mean, someone might be in my book, 
James gets in trouble for doing something mm-hmm. he really shouldn't have been doing. He was talking in class, and the teacher called him out. But the right. kid's reaction to him getting in trouble just started him to question himself, like, oh, am I a bad kid? Right. Does this make me a bad person? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And an adult should be able to discern, make a distinction between what people are saying, but maybe a child is not able to make those distinctions. Yes. Do you see, um, what would the connection with mental health be? Do you see that there's a connection between these shame feelings and mental health issues? I think there's probably a huge connection between mental health and shame feelings. I think for me, when my shame was at the most, I definitely experienced a lot of depression. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes people go to unhealthy outlets when they're feeling a lot of shame, um, binge drinking, cutting, mm-hmm. uh, different things like that. They're trying to release this pain or express this pain. And it, a lot of times it comes out in really unhealthy ways. Right. Um, do you think, just because our audience, this is a, you know, a Christian program. We have people, Catholics mm-hmm. in the Catholic channel listening to this program, um, do you think that having faith, I mean, I'm not going to say that it makes us immune to it, but it can help us heal, that there's something about our Christian faith that can help us heal because of those intrinsic messages that we are valued by God as God, you know, yeah. made in God's image? A hundred percent. I do think that. I do know at the epitome of my like deepest shame when I was at my bottom, Mentally, I understood that Jesus loved me and he had forgiven me for all my sins. But in my heart, I had a hard time forgiving myself. Yeah. So I almost feel like without really releasing yourself of the shame, you can't experience the fullness that faith offers. Mm-hmm. And I do think, especially in like the Catholic religion, there's a lot of ways to get help with that problem right? Um, by the very nature of the sacraments. Yeah. But um, sometimes you need a little extra. Sometimes you need to speak to a counselor, a yeah. therapist. Yeah. And then, and then you can see I am, I am whole and I am worthy because I am God's and the fullness of that can really hit you yeah. in a different way. At least for me, it did. No, I think you're right. And that's a very good uh, message because we can't, I mean, the church, our faith helps us, and I think it's necessary, but we can't necessarily find all the healing inside, you know, it's not like if I, if, if I, if I break my arm, I'm not going to go to church to get my arm fixed. I need to go to the hospital. Um, so, so if people that are listening maybe are, are having these feelings, which are lies, and I think that's very important to mention, to repeat, actually, that they're lies. We're not, we might make a mistake, but that doesn't mean that we are mistakes. And uh, if people are struggling with these voices or these feelings, they should tell someone and go and get help. Um, It sounds, it sounds like it's such a depressing book, but it actually isn't. Um, it's such a hope. I know. I'm sorry, Kristen, but, but it is an, I I mean, it's a, it's a lovely book with lovely illustrations, um, uh, that I hope, you know, we're going to put the website on so that people can find it through the, uh, um, um, the, sorry. Thank you. Thank you. The National Center for Youth Issues. Um, this is the first uh, book in a series um, from the National Center for Youth Issues. So there, there's other other books there that might be very useful for parents. And it's a great way and fun way, actually, 
Um, and yeah. if, I, if I can say the awfulizer, he's 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 a monster, but he's kind of funny looking and and not cute and fluffy, but because we want to get rid of him. Um, yes. And at the end, can we give away the ending? That's I think that's the best part. We should always give away the ending. Tell me the ending then. Then James becomes the awesomeizer and learns how to make the awfulizer disappear. Yes. And for me, the best part is that the book comes with. Can I say that? Can I say it? Well, that's that's coming up on my website. I haven't finalized that yet. I don't think National Center for Youth Issue does it, but I will be selling oh. the awesomeizer capes that go with the book so that your child can also become the awesomeizer. Okay, I might, for people that are following me on Instagram, I might just put on the cape and, uh, I think you and take a picture and see if that'll encourage people <laughs> to, not only can you get the book, but you can like wear the cape and run around and be awesome and awesomeize That's people right. as in your daily living. Kristen, it's been so good uh, meeting you over the phone and uh, talking to you about this very important issue. Thank you very much. Kristen Marr is a speaker, advocate, writer, and a mother of three. Her book, The Awfulizer, Learning to Overcome the Shame Game, is the first book in the new Truth Teller series from the National Center for Youth Issues. You can learn more at their website, ncyi.org. I'm going to put that on our site so you can find it easily at saltandlighttv.org. And you can listen to the full interview if you missed it at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Here now are featured artists of the week, Katie and Andrew Hall, with their single, Ava Grace.
That was Katie and Andrew Hall with their single, Ava Grace. Okay, we're going to do something a little different today. Our featured artists are not famous. They're not published. They have don't have hundreds of followers on Instagram. Actually, maybe they do. I don't know. They are a young married couple with young children, but they love music and have written a song for each of their children. Connor is three years old, Ava is two, and Katie just gave birth to twin boys, David and Zach. So I thought it would be neat to have them join me today and speak about marriage and parenting and songwriting. Andrew and Katie, welcome to the Sultanite Hour. Thanks. Thank you. Um, um, Katie, you just you just gave birth last week. Um, uh, like twenty two days ago. Oh, okay, okay. So it wasn't quite yeah, last week. Still, still. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've never given birth, so I don't know. Um, how are you doing? How are David and Zach? I'm doing great, and the babies are doing awesome as well. Yeah, I think They're we very can, good babies, so that helps. We can hear them there in the background. I should have introduced uh, um, Katie yeah, with David. Hiccups. You might hear hiccups. Yes, we can hear the hiccups. How cute! <laughs> um, and uh, how are Connor and Ava adjusting to the to the two new additions to the family? Oh, well, they are doing very well. Some actually, a- Ava gets a little jealous sometimes, but that's you know, she's two. That's She's two. Normal, probably. <laughs> she's two. But, uh, and Connor is a very good helper, actually. So that's. That's been nice. <laughs> oh, good, good. Connor, you said he's three. He's three years yeah. old. Um, so uh, you guys have written a song. You wrote a song for Connor, I guess. Why did, was it Katie? Did you write the song? Um, or did you guys wrote, write, write it together? How did that e- even come about? Um, do you want me to take this one, Katie? Go, go, go for it. All right. So, um, well, basically, uh, when we found out we were pregnant with Connor, it was like, we actually, we tried for two years to have kids and we had okay. no luck. So this was just like a huge like blessing and joy in our lives. And we fought, you know, we love music so much. So we kind of, I don't know if it started off as kind of half joking, but I was like, you know, do you want to write a song and like maybe get in a studio and do it and huh. write a song for Connor? And so Katie said, yeah, that'd be cool. And um, anyway, my, I used to play in a band and yeah. I can play drums and write lyrics but and Katie sings but I'm like we need a guitar player so okay my uh, my friend Dan Kickard I called him and I was like would you just send me a guitar track and I'll write lyrics over top and Katie will sing it oh my gosh Washi went pretty smooth so yeah it sounds great so that's the, the song we heard at the beginning of the program can't wait so you wrote this song before Connor was born yeah it was actually pretty cool we wrote it before Connor was born and actually when he was being delivered in the hospital like the song was playing oh my gosh and uh, it was kind of cool. All the nurses are like, "Hey, that's you," you know. And Katie's like pushing, and she's like, "Yeah, that's me." <laughs> and actually, it, it, it calmed Connor down like right away, you know, which was kind of cool to see. I guess he had been hearing the song. Had be he been hearing yeah, the song? Yeah, we've been playing it, yeah. you know, through the belly. <laughs> and I guess does he feel now like that's his song? Does he hear it all the time? Oh yeah. Yeah, actually, him and his sister fight over their songs in the car. Oh, really? <laughs> um, so, okay, so then when, when uh, Katie, when you were pregnant with Ava, um, did you just think, oh, we should do a song for Ava so that she's not left out kind of thing? Or how did that <laughs> kind of become a tradition? Yeah, um, I think I, uh, they're following me around. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, it kind of was kind of like, oh, yeah, we need to do this for Ava, too. You know, like, yeah. it wasn't like oh, just yeah, but it felt like we needed to and keep the keep the good thing going. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can hear them in the background yeah. there too. They found me. Yeah. They found you. You were hiding, <laughs> um, and they want attention. Um, yeah. 
and I guess that now, now if you have more kids, you're just gonna have to keep writing songs. That's right. That's right. Well, we had debated for for a minute about writing a separate song for each David and Zach, but we just decided to. Get it to one, get a twin. Yeah. So okay, so and you knew you were expecting twins, I guess, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you found just, out pretty early on. And you, and you decided to write. So this song is we're going to hear this song at the end of the program, "Over the Moon." I guess that's how you were feeling when you found out you were going to have twins. Oh yeah, I mean it. It took me a minute to you know to get over the shock and you know the shock of it, but I was definitely a huge blessing and. Um, yes. Yeah. Just, joy you know the over the moon feeling for sure absolutely yeah. now andrew you guys you i mean i'm not going to say that you're young because but you're younger than me anyway you're you 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 guys met you guys met on on a catholic dating site yeah um i don't even think the site exists anymore okay. uh, but it, was called, it was called i was cheap i guess so i typed in like catholic dating for free and this site popped up called Catholic Dating for Free. So I signed up and uh, I don't know, I just was looking on there and then uh, this was like in January 2012 and uh-huh. I it was actually kind of fun. My mom suggested I sign up for something like that and I felt like a loser that my mom would suggest it. You know, like, oh yeah, man, yeah, yeah. my mom's making or suggesting I do that, I must really be a loser. But um, it, yeah. My parents actually met for a Catholic letter writing service in the 80s. Okay. So I thought, you know what, if it worked for them, then I'll give this a shot. That's and, funny. And um, I messaged Katie, and I was just like, hey, I, you know, I feel like a loser messaging you, but uh, it says you love music, and, and it said something in her profile about, you know, loving her family, and uh, she's a teacher, and yeah. so I said, you know, I hope to hear back, and she messaged me back, and we talked for, what, Katie, like six months? Uh, yeah, like five, five or six yeah. Yeah. And Katie, yeah. you were you were in the States though. Andrew, you're here in yeah. Canada, Katie's in the States. Did yeah. that did that uh, you know kind of come with some challenges? Oh yeah, definitely. Sure. Um, I mean, at first I was like um you know, there's a little doubt in your mind like, "Oh, can this really work out?" you mm-hmm. know. But um I ended up I'm from Ohio originally. I was living okay. in North Carolina at the time teaching. Okay. And um I ended up moving back to Ohio. That's a little in, closer. Like, that May yeah. or so. I'm like, it's really only about two and a half hours from where I was living to Canada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it really wasn't that bad at all. So I'm like, oh, this might be doable. So, right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was actually awesome because, like, you know, maybe that awkward stage of meeting your uh, the girl's parents, you know, first or whatever. Or maybe you might do that like a month into dating. Well, when yeah. Katie came up for the weekend to meet me for the first time, she met my parents right away. Right. Um, I went down the next weekend, met her parents right away. <laughs> yeah. So all that awkward stuff got out of the way really quick. Right. Right. Now, Andrew, you're a chaplain in a Catholic school. Yeah, I'm a chaplain at uh, St. John's College in Brantford. So this is my sixth year at the school. Yeah. Um, I did two years of elementary chaplaincy in Niagara before death. Yeah, and I, I, wanted, I want to tell people about this neat thing you've been doing, and, and I'm so excited, and I, I don't know, did we ever actually have a chance to play some of the music of your students on this show? I don't think we ever did. Uh, no, we haven't. Tell, tell our listeners about that, because maybe there are some chaplains or teachers out there that, that uh, you will inspire them to do what you did uh, with, your, uh, with your students. Okay, uh, yeah, sure. No, uh, well, when I first got to St. John's, um, from Niagara, I was, I was really nervous, you know, coming in. This is my first time uh, working at a high school as a chaplain, and mm-hmm. uh, I know I was replacing someone that was, you know, did good things. And um, they asked me, you know, like, 
what are you going to do to make the school different during my interview? And I was like, well, I could, I play drums. I could start a worship band. And then yeah. they were like, yeah, go for it. And I was like, sweet. So, uh, my first day, um, I just, I kind of asked the kids and I'm like, tell me who's the best musicians in this school. Like, give me their name. So I went and I tracked them down and I thought kids might think this is really lame and they might not go for it. But at, by the end of my first day, I had a worship band. We had our first practice scheduled for that Friday. Yeah. And it was, just sounded awesome. Like I got really lucky I'm, or, you know, I'm really blessed yeah. that that's how like the best musicians in the school came out. And that like, we had like a star rugby player. We had like every type of kid that you can imagine yeah. in the band that yeah. first year. And that inspired um, younger grades. Like the next year we had a junior worship band and a senior worship band. That's great. Um, so um, kind of how that snowballed was um, we started getting invited to play local churches in our mm-hmm. community uh, on Sunday mass yeah, and to provide music ministry. And besides playing our own school masses and, then I made a deal with the kids. I'm like, if you can write your own worship song, I'll find a way to get you to a studio. So um, whenever the kids write their own worship song, I take them to the studio like once yeah. a year to record it. Yeah. And uh, it's really, yeah, it's a real blessing in my life. Um, and it's been, kids get into it. it's been how many years now? Because you've had se- several generations, right? Go yeah, through. Yeah, so this is my sixth year at the school. So this is the sixth year that we've had uh, a yeah. worship band at St. John's. That's one. And, they, and have they been writing music every year? Yeah, every year. And, um, my um, the one guitar playing a senior band currently has a guitar track written. We're yeah. just trying to, uh, I don't know, kind of we're focusing more on our Advent math right. right now. But once Advent's done, we're gonna get studio ready and hopefully get in there before April. Right. No, that's great. So maybe that's an inspiration for uh, chaplains out there that don't know what to do in their school. Um, uh, one last question, Katie, because um, yeah. I hear that you're probably being pulled away from the phone. Um, <laughs> Any advice, uh, young couple trying to be Catholic, living their faith, four kids, twins, uh, trying to, you know, make it work? I don't know if music is going to be more of a career for you guys in the future, but, you know, what advice do you have for other young people, young Catholics? That's a good question. Um, I would say just, you know, keep the faith and keep uh, doing your best and, Sometimes, you know, have really hard days, but just to remember to, to remember the blessings each day mm-hmm. and uh, don't let the hard times get you down. Because <laughs> there are hard times, obviously. And, yeah. But yeah, there's always, there's, at least, in, at least in my life, there's been many more blessings than, than the bad, for sure. I think that's the um, case for most four, people. Four kids under four is, Yes. A lot of people say, oh, that's hard. I'm like, yeah, but it's, you know, a great, great thing. And what it, change it for anything you know yeah so. beautiful and maybe the last tip tip last advice is uh, write songs for your kids how's that <laughs> yeah yeah I, they'll love it and they'll yeah. love it i know i think it's a great gift that we could give them it is know, a great like, gift absolutely we'll so uh, yeah. last question for andrew is did you write a song for katie yet oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay I'll, I'll leave you guys figure that one out <laughs> well i've written her tons of poems Okay, there you go. That's a start. That's a start. Okay, well, there you go. Thank you, guys. It's been so good. Thank you for sharing your music today with us and for telling us a little bit about your family. And, uh, uh, Andrew, let's see if we can get some of your students, uh, some of the music on the program um, at some at some point. All right? Yeah, that'd be amazing. They'd love that. Yeah, I think it'd be very good. Okay, God bless. Congratulations God bless. on the birth of Zach and David. <laughs> Thank you. You can listen to Katie and Andrew's songs for their children on Bandcamp. Just go to katiehall.com.
bandcamp.com. I'm going to put that address on our site so you can find it easily. Here now, Arcadia and Andrew Hall with the song that they wrote for their twins, David and Zach, Over the Moon. listening to Katie and Andrew Hall with Over the Moon that they wrote for their twins, David and Zach. This is a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Transubstantiation, you know, what happens to the bread and wine during the consecration at Mass when they become the fullness, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, is an issue that divides Christians. But, as it turns out, that what Luther and Calvin were teaching about the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist is not that far from what Thomas Aquinas was teaching with this term, transubstantiation. That's what theologian Brett Salkeld shows in his new book, Transubstantiation, a book that looks at the history, the theology, and also at Christian unity. And to tell us more, I'm now joined by Dr. Brett Salkeld. Brett, it's so good to have you here in Toronto with us. Thanks, Deacon Pedro. Good to be here. Good. Um... Okay, so definition, straight up, what is transubstantiation? Right, so it's the change of the substance of the bread and the wine into the substance of the body and blood of Christ at the consecration. Okay, and so it defines what is happening uh, yeah. or how it's happening. Uh, well, to, it, it carefully specifies what we mean by change, right? So the change is not a physical change. It's a change at a deeper level where God uh, determines the identity of, of a given element okay. of creation by the power of his word, right? So when, when Jesus says, this is my body, or the priest says it in, in the person of Christ, uh, we believe that those words have, have the power to determine the reality that, that he's talking about. Okay, yeah, of course. So then does it really matter how it happens? Yeah, I mean, one way of saying how it happens is by the power of God. Yeah, I mean, of course. Like that's, really, that's really what I'm, yeah. Interestingly enough, uh, like uh, St. Thomas Aquinas will, will use two ways of talking about the power of God. One, he'll say by the word of Christ. Uh-huh. And Martin Luther uh-huh. really emphasizes that. Yeah. And another way uh, Thomas Aquinas will talk about it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And John Calvin right. really right. emphasizes that. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting parallels. Interesting, interesting. So the term, because we didn't always, I mean, Jesus Christ, the term, not in the Bible. Right. Who came up with that term? Yeah. So, uh, 1,100 years of church history, we believed in real presence without really needing um, a philosophical construct to understand it. But the, right. the question raises itself in medieval Europe, and people say, is he, is he really present? What do you mean by really present? And mm-hmm. the church needs a way to talk about uh, something that is really real, that is not a physical 
kind of change. And okay. substance fits the bill because it, it ta- it's a category that says what's present to our intellect. So we perceive what, what this philosophical tradition would call accidents. We perceive color, size, texture, smell, uh, right. taste. Um, but through our senses perceiving different things, our intellect says, but underneath the granular, sweet, small, white things that, that are sugar crystals, right. we say there is sugar. The okay. sugar is not the sweetness or the whiteness or the granularity. It's the thing it's like that has, reality. it's the noun that has all the adjectives. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's a deeper reality. So the accident is what we perceive through the senses, but there's, but a thing is more than just what we perceive through the senses. Right, right. And our and mind apprehends, substance. apprehends that. Yeah. So then, so then in trying to explain, so then would Thomas, St. Thomas Aquinas has been trying to explain what that Eucharist after it's consecrated, what it is. Right. And, and, and how it makes sense to say it's different. Like, why does it make sense to say that this is no longer bread and wine, this is the body and blood of Christ, when if you were to look under a microscope or a mass spectrometer or just with your eyes... It looks like bread. It looks like bread and wine. So so what what kind of thing is different? And he says the difference is the, the deepest identity of the thing that is determined by God's word. That's the thing that changes at the consecration. Right, and that's the substance. That's the substance, which is different than how we typically use that word today. So there's a lot of misunderstanding of the doctrine uh-huh. of transubstantiation because for modern people, substance means physical stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at the crime scene, there was a sticky white substance, right? Yes. Um, and so uh, you can get this sense, oh, if I went into a lab, I could prove or disprove transubstantiation. And according to the, the classic doctrine, no, you can't because a lab would expect to find only the accidents, only the physical right. expression, right? And the term transubstantiation expects that as well. Expects, that the yeah. accidents don't change. Ex- yeah, that's part of the definition is that the accidents don't change, right? So a Eucharistic miracle is is a different kind of thing. We yeah. don't we don't think that the the consecration didn't work if there's no Eucharistic miracle. Right, right? Exactly. We still think It's Christ not bleeding, so then it's not... It's, it's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. Yeah. Um, um, I was very intrigued in reading the book, the whole Christian unity aspect of it, and that's why I, I kind of, my introduction, I was, you know, uh, I brought that up, mm-hmm. that, that we think that we that Christians and Catholics, non-Christian, non-Catholic Christians there you and go. Catholics disagree on this, but you're saying, based on what you've done, the work that you've done looking at what Luther and Calvin right. specifically believed, that we're actually closer than we might think. Right, yeah. So the agreement isn't perfect, but a lot of Catholics have been given the impression that we believe in real presence and Protestants don't. Uh-huh. And, and that's simply false. Lots of Protestants. You, you, you would have a hard time finding a more fervent advocate of real presence in the history of the church than Martin Luther. He really? was, he was re- deeply committed really? to this. Um, the, the early, early Protestantism, there were Protestants who rejected this. And that's that the first split in Protestantism was over this question. Luther said, this is my body means this is my body. Right. And other people said, well, no, it can, it must mean this is a sign of my body. Uh-huh. And that was the first split in Protestantism. Really? Um, in more recent times in ecumenical dialogue, major Protestant bodies, Anglican, Lutheran, Reformed, and otherwise, have made affirmations of Christ's real presence. And the question has been, yeah, but how real is it if they don't believe in transubstantiation? And transubstantiation is often not mentioned in the agreed statements of these dialogues. And so that was the impetus for my book was to say, let's go digging really carefully and look at the articulations of real presence in Luther and Calvin 
and see in which ways they they uh, resonate with the Catholic doctrine of transubstantiation mm-hmm. and in which ways they, there might still be differences. And if there are differences, can we propose a way forward? And that that's what I try to do. Okay, and you just said something that made me think that can we... Is, do, we, do I have to believe in transubstantiation in order to believe in the real presence? Uh, only, only in a certain way. So transubstantiation is an attempt to articulate it. The Council of Trent, which is authoritative for Catholics, yeah. says it is the most apt way we've found for articulating it. So y- you, as a Catholic, what you need to believe is that this is a good way of talking about real presence. Right. So if you were to say transubstantiation is nonsense, that would be counter to Catholic teaching. But what's important for you is not that you can articulate transubstantiation the way Thomas Aquinas does. It's real presence is the key doctrinal question. Transubstantiation is a theological articulation which has served the Catholic Church very well. And if you denied it, we would say, then tell me what you actually mean by real presence. Because if you're denying transubstantiation, we feel like there's going to be implications for your your sense of real presence that, that we would want to push back on a little bit. So okay. it's, we don't strictly need to believe in it, but we're but pretty close. <laughs> right, right. And and I suppose that the, the nuance, can I use that word? Is it mm-hmm. more than just semantics? That, that, that whether it's Christ is fully present and the bread, the substance of the bread is not, so that's why it's trans, it's replaced right. it. It's become, correct? well, it's, it's become, it's, it's precisely... It's trans- <laughs> Transformed is a natural thing. So transubstantiated is there's no um, synonyms for this word, right? But, but basically, it, mean, it means that the the substance of the bread itself is what has become the substance of the body. And but it means that the substance of the bread is no longer there. So that right. that would be something else. Right. Right. Consubstantiation. Consubstantiation means the uh, yeah the 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 substance of the bread remains alongside the substance of the body, which has been added to it. Now, would that we, be heresy? Maybe. It, it depends what you mean by it. If uh-huh. if you're like a modern person who thinks that substance is basically a physical reality mm-hmm. and you look at the Eucharist and you say, well, the physical reality of bread and wine remain, mm-hmm. um, then you're you're basically saying what Thomas said, St. Thomas said when he says the accidents remain. Right. Uh, right. Right. So if you're using substance to mean what Thomas meant by accidents, then then you're not a heretic. Yeah, you're saying the same thing. Right, but you have to look carefully and see how people are using the words because it's it's highly sophisticated technological language and it's too easy to call somebody a heretic. Yeah. When when you haven't asked those deeper questions, right? Yeah. Okay, good. We're going to leave it there. Um I hope that people are at least with the whole ecumenical aspect. I think it would have piqued people's interest because I that for me that was the new the new thing that I learned from reading the book. It's its a really good book uh, for theologians and non-theologians alike. Right. Um, uh, thank you. Thank you for writing it. Thank you for what you do. And it's good to see you. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And I hope people enjoy the book. Yeah, me too. Brett Salkeld, he's the Archdiocesan Theologian for the Archdiocese of Regina, Saskatchewan. And he has served for many years on the National Catholic Roman Catholic Evangelical Dialogue. You can listen to his podcast, Thinking Faith, at archregina.sk.ca. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. And his latest book, Transubstantiation, Theology, History, and Christian Unity, is published by Baker Publishing Group. To listen to this interview again or for the rest of the program, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org, slash radio, and uh, look for the Salt and Light Hour. Here now is our featured group, Trinity with Songs of Life from their album, The In-Between. I want to see a change in the world that start today. 
I don't wanna keep looking at things that were better yesterday. Let's keep believing in a beautiful future. Come what may, love alone can guide our feet on this narrow mountain way. Singing songs of light in the light of the divine. We climb to where we touch the sky. Don't know how, don't know why, but love is heaven's song. Pulling us back home. In this life, everybody has questions of the heart. Sometimes hope can feel a million miles away from where we are, but there is something even greater than the darkness pulling us apart. It's that overwhelming feeling you get standing underneath the stars, singing songs of light in the light of the divine. We climb to where we touch the sky. Don't know how, don't know why, but love is heaven's song. Pulling us back That was Trinity with Songs of Life from their album, The In-Between. I first heard of the band Trinity when I was working for World Youth Day Panama. I heard about this group from the Netherlands that sang in Spanish and English and French. For 14 years, they'd been playing all over Europe. They played at the Dutch Catholic National Youth Days. They also played at the, in Lithuania at their annual Catholic Youth Days. And, of course, needless to say, they ended up playing in Panama at World Youth Day. And so I'm very happy to welcome their lead singer and frontman, Elbert Smelt, to our program. <laughs> Elbert, welcome uh, welcome to the Sultan Light Hour. Thank you so much, man. It's an honor. It is an honor. I'm so I'm excited s- about this. I am excited because I remember you're one of the first groups that I heard about when you, that you were interested in coming to Pan and going to Panama, and then I never yeah. got to see you when you were there because everybody's so busy. But I've seen some of the videos, yeah. and it sounds like you guys. It looks like you had a great time. Yeah, man, we had an awesome pilgrimage. I must say. Yes. Yeah, for us it was it was the very first because we haven't been raised Catholics or anything. So this right. was our introduction into this whole new world for us. <laughs> yeah, world these days, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was awesome to be part of this. Yes, it's good. And yeah. there's, there's a, I'm going to put the link on our site, but you, uh, you recorded a video down there, which is a very fun song. Yeah. Um, that it's you wrote. called Anthem of Love, and it has Spanish and, and, and English lyrics in one yeah. song. Yeah, and you, you wrote that song for World Youth Day? Or, or knowing that you no, were going to go? No, it was just oh. on, our, on our latest record that we yeah. just had released by then. And uh, because it was half Spanish, we decided to yeah, it's record great. the movie for it while we were in Panama. So okay. it has a lot of joy a lot of contagious Jornada um, Mundial de la Juventud vibes on it. Okay, so so okay, I got to stop because we have uh, this, this program airs a lot of we have a lot of listeners in the United States, hay muchos latinos, uh -huh. and they're all wondering how this Dutch guy speaks perfect Spanish. So and it's yeah. and it's you and your two brothers, right? The band is you. It's three brothers, you and your My two brothers. My two brothers and another friend that and we met in high school, yeah. Okay, so yeah. where's the Spanish connection? But me and my brothers, we, we grew up in Peru, South America. Okay. As missionary kids. So <laughs> my parents are, are Dutch people from uh -huh. Europe. Mm -hmm. And Holland or, or the Netherlands yes. is, is all the same thing. It's, it's a very small country next to England, next to Germany, yes. on top of Belgium. Yes. And uh, my parents worked in Peru and Lima for 10 years. And during that time, we were born and Wonderful. grew up there. So we've always spoken Spanish and Dutch and English. That's wonderful. And uh, we fell in love with the folkloric music of Peru, actually. Yes, it's Peruvian. Yes. already. Yes, Peruvian music. So I always played the quena. Oh. I always played la quenita como chico. La quena, uh, so that's the, the, like the, the pan, pan flute. Um, yeah. Also la zampoña. The, la zampoña, which and, is also the... And my know. brother always used to play the charango, the little guitar. Yeah, the little guitar. Street. Yeah, made with armadillo yeah, skins. So. Yeah. Yeah, I used to yeah, have a ever since we yeah. were, Ever since we were four, six, and eight years old, we we would already play with our ponchos on and our sombreros on, <laughs> and we would play in church. Or That's hilarious. Uh, once we returned to the Netherlands, we would always play in in missionary events. Or, right. Uh, so, whenever there was some missionary event, we would play. And right. So how did and, the group and, and uh, make a party of it? <laughs> how did the group? Uh, how did the band Trinity come to be? Well, I think that was when we were in our 20s, early mm -hmm. 20s. Mm -hmm. We wanted to do music that would transcend uh, differences and barriers and and that, that would bridge gaps and that would bring together people and that would be a good music that would unite people in song and in party, mm -hmm. in real, real mm -hmm. joy. Mm -hmm. So uh, we started Trinity with a lot of folkloric influences from Peru, obviously in our sound. Yeah. But also lots of Irish folk music influences. Yes. And yes. Uh, we started playing in churches and later uh, at at big conferences and festivals. And mm -hmm. uh, via many friends that we have in Belgium, we started playing in the Catholic world as well. Yeah, we, of course. We believe that. Uh, that it is one church, you know, we, we, we should be together. It is one and church. And celebrate Jesus yes. and, uh, yeah. and, and live lives that, that, that make it visible, you know, that make, Absolutely. that make grace and love visible yeah. in the world. So Absolutely. Why yeah. did you, why did you choose to call the band Trinity? Well, at, at, at that moment we had been in Ireland a lot of times mm -hmm. and Ireland is a, uh, is a country where there is a, a big a Celtic Catholic tradition of, of course. Yeah. So, Everything there is called Trinity. There is a Trinity College, Trinity Square, Trinity okay, Street, Trinity okay, Churches. Okay. And uh, we, we just thought it was cool. It is only very recently that we have sort of rediscovered the value of our name uh, in, in, in reading up on, on the Holy Trinity and finding out cool 
theological stuff about the Trinity, <laughs> which right. makes total sense now because we are a band that that's, that tries to unite yeah, people. Yes. And uh, if you look at the Trinity, you see that God is is a community in in Himself, mm-hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So God, uh, by being a Trinity, sort of preaches and says to us, "Hey, man, even even me myself, I am a community." So. And mm-hmm. if you and and me and, and me, if we people are created in God's image, that means that we have been created to live in community yes. as well and to never be alone and it's so true. to do life together. Yeah, to be one. So this yeah. whole Trinity name is it's it bounced yeah. back has bounced back upon us. That's great. And given us a new meaning. Yeah. a new drive to play and, and unite people. That's neat, yeah. Um, you've yeah. played Obviously, you've played in many, many festivals, but now I hear that you organize uh, what you guys call a, a heavenly parties. Is that correct? Yeah. What, what, are, what are those? What are those heavenly parties? Yeah, so we have sort of specialized in throwing heavenly parties in big barns <laughs> and stables. <laughs> okay. Because we just like the feel of it. And especially it. this Christmas time, yeah, you must imagine uh, the Netherlands. It's pretty dark out here at oh, the moment. Yeah, the days like are Canada, short. Yeah, yeah, a bit like Canada, I guess. Yeah. Yes. And uh, yeah, people are in need for 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 connecting parties where they can have a have a drink and and, and a bite of food and where they can uh, put on their big coats and just stand together and sing songs and 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 jump around. So we have. Um, we, we, we're doing a big Christmas tour and, and because there is such a big show up, we've decided to go to horse riding schools. Okay. So we, <laughs> we just stand with 900 people or 1,000 people in, in, in a horse riding school in the sand where the, where the horses normally walk. Yeah. And we put, we, we put together two big, uh, how do you call those things which, which uh, farmers use to, to stack the hay on? The big uh, trailers. Oh yes, yeah. Yeah. So we we put together two trailers as a, as a stage. Yes. And we just stand on it, and we we bring along some some fellow musicians on our banjos and sounds like a lot of fun. And, uh, singers, and we just have a lot of fun playing that traditional. Sounds like a lot of fun. And also our new own songs. We also have a, a a few Christmas songs of our own. Yes. So it's just one big, uh, very festive and and atmospherical. Yeah, with a, with a very good party atmosphere. You, yeah. You've totally made me want to go to the Netherlands now for a, for a heavenly party. Mm-hmm, yeah, um, sounds like a lot of fun. Um, what do you do? You consider yourselves? I mean, with the name Trinity and and your music, do you consider yourself a Christian band? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. the your your yeah. your hope for your music is that you're evangelizing with it, bringing hope to uh, people. Yeah. 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 Bringing, showing real hope, real love. And uh, connecting people, uh, yeah, that that's our thing. Yeah, yeah, the good news, especially this Christmas time. I really feel like Christmas is such a nice opportunity to share about. Yeah, it is the hope and the love and and uh, the unquenchedness of of Christ. <laughs> How do you call yeah, it? Unquenchable. He shines in the darkness. Yeah, yes. and the darkness cannot overcome it. That's right? true. Yeah, unquenchableness. That's a unquenchableness. Huge message, man, I think. Dark times. It is. It is. Yeah. It is. And it's great that. Do you find that in Europe? Um, I mean, Latin America is so Catholic. Canada, United States. The, I guess there's a little bit more of a divide. But maybe do you find that in Europe it's easier to have a Christian event? And whether people are Catholic or not Catholic, Christians, Protestants, that it's all, it's easier to, to be together? 
Yeah, I think here in Europe, maybe a bit more than in Canada and America. Yeah, yeah I think secularization so. has 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 hit the church very hard. Mm-hmm. So um, traditional Christendom has sort of um, well, I, th- I think as Christians here in Europe, we've come to realize that we that we have been marginalized greatly. You know, we were, we we're not a big group anymore, mm-hmm. and society thinks they can live life without God mm-hmm. very much. So uh, Christians here, I think, are aware a bit more maybe that, that they need each other, they need and that they need to overcome their differences. Yeah, that's good. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And we are yeah. one, like you said. Um, Albert, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, that's all the time we have. But it's been so good to finally uh, talk to you on the phone. We've emailed uh, quite a bit, but... Um, I'm looking forward to I love your music I love your videos and I hope that you, uh, you. have a new album coming out soon so we have uh, an excuse to, to play more of your music on the program and maybe have you guys <laughs> yeah. have you guys back on yeah so yeah we, we're on Spotify we're on YouTube yes you're everywhere uh, yeah. with our new album as well so, so uh, is is the in between the new album? That's the new album, right? Yeah, the in between is our is our latest. Is your latest album? It's wonderful. Yeah, there's such great yeah. music. Yeah. Okay, so um, next time you're in North America, do a little side trip to Canada. Come visit us. In, that would be in, great. Yeah, I'd that love would be to super. Visit Canada, yeah, be fun. Okay, we'll have to work on that. Okay, good. God bless. Yeah. Great to meet you. Merry Christmas you too, man. to you and your brothers Merry and Christmas. and, God and bless. the band. Okay, God bless. Thank you. Albert, bye, Albert Smelt. He's the lead singer of the Dutch Christian band Trinity. You can find all about them, listen to their music, watch their awesome videos, and purchase the music at their website, bandtrinity.com. Here now to take us out is Trinity with Alive Again from their album, The In Between. At least that's what the world's been telling me I want to wake up and feel it The passion inside rising up like a wave I'm desperate to ride Hear the call of the wind in the trees Telling me to begin to breathe new life I want to break away Dive into the day Know that I'm alive Alive Soak up all the sun Until I come undone Know that I'm alive been way too long since I have felt the wonder of the power and the glory of my God. I want to wake up and feel it, the passion inside, pumping blood through my veins with my eyes open wide, feel the beat of my heart telling me to believe and begin to breathe new life. I want to break away, dive into the day, know that I'm alive. Until I come and die, know that I'm alive, alive, nothing left to lose, all I wanna do. We're listening to the band Trinity with Alive Again from their album The In Between. 
And that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Remember to visit our website, saltandlighttv.org. That's where you can listen to all our programs and all our conversations. You can also find out everything you want to know about Salt and Light Media and how you can support our ministry because we cannot do this without your financial support. Any comments, feedback, or questions, you can send them to me via Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm Deacon Pedro. Thank you for listening to this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I want to break away, dive into the day, more than I'm alive, alive. Soak up all the sun until I come undone, know that I'm alive, alive. Nothing left to lose, all I want to do is dance into the light. It's time to break away, dive into the day.